Welcome to Imperfect Allies. My name is Chris. My name is Richie. And we're here to talk to each other about what it's like to be white and what it's like to be black in America. Our goal is to have a candid conversation about race and how it impacts and intersects our daily life, as well as our country. The episodes offered here are based around real, candid conversations that Richie and I have and they're available if you support the show. From those conversations, we take a deep dive into topics that we discover to better empathize and understand ourselves and our American culture. If you like the show, please comment and subscribe and reach out to us on Facebook and Twitter at Allies Imperfect. Well, let's start the show. All black everything, black cards, black cards, all black everything. And I cross a black purse, riding with a tillagers. I can't more Hey everybody, thank you for joining us. This is Imperfect Allies. I'm Richie. And I'm Chris. And we are here to talk about what it's like. <laughs> what it's like being white. Yeah, what it's like being black. Exactly, exactly. And um, uh, man, Chris, is really good to hear your voice. Um, how are we doing this week? What do you want to talk about? Man, I, I, I think everything that's going on in the news right now, what we need to talk about most is vulnerability when having these conversations, fear, because we see a whole bunch of fear mongering, and then, you know, we got to talk about Kanye. We got to talk about Kanye. <laughs> we do, yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, man. That's good. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about that before, and I think it's those are those are perfect. Um, I mean, what do you, I mean, what, I guess, what do you think of right away when you think about this conversation and vulnerability? Well, I mean, so many people, you know, our listeners, you and I, uh, just everyone right now is in a very uncomfortable and vulnerable time. And so it's even scarier to be vulnerable when everything's um, kind of uns- for certain. But when you're having these race conversations, when you're trying to deep dive and hear somebody else, you must be vulnerable. It's literally the only way for the conversation to be successful is to go in acting like there's something to learn and you don't know. And you just have to, you know, let your guard down completely. And it's scary. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can see that too. Like when I, uh, and I, and I know I haven't done a ton of face-to-face stuff outside of family with these kind of conversations, but the stuff that I have, the discussions I've had on Facebook and Twitter and stuff have been like, people don't know what to do with that. They don't know what to do with like a genuine vulnerable question. Like if, if somebody calls you on like, I don't even know, like there was somebody that was saying, I, I remember there was a conversation where uh, this guy was talking to this white guy talking about how he was, he was the um, victim of racism. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And I said, I said something about, you know, the, re- the definition that you and I've been talking about um, over the, over our conversations, you know, a good definition for me, or at least that, I've learned from Ibrahim Kendi is racism is uh, racist policies um, that create inequality uh, that are substantiated by racist ideas. And he goes, Nope, that's not it. (laughs) He's right. Right. That's all he knows. That's yeah. And then, and then I said, okay, well then I I, I get you because that's what the dictionary says. You're right. The dictionary says racism is uh, being prejudiced or discriminatory based on the color of someone's skin or their ethnicity. So you're right. So what, how would you define, and it was a genuine question. How would you, def, how, what word would you use to call what I, that definition I gave you? Cause I really need to, cause that's what's happening. Yeah. And that's what I really need to know. Cause I need to talk to people about, about the stuff and, and, uh, and, and it was crickets and no, nothing. And, you know, it just completely shut down the conversation for some reason. And interesting. Yeah. And so I just don't felt like a setup. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm going to jump in there and I'm going to, I'm going to say my little, my little piece and then I'm, I'm not, 
it's it, it it is not discussion. It's like sniping, you know. Like I'm going to get in there and uh, take take you out, and I'm done. Drop the mic or whatever. See, and we can learn from this guy because I think a lot of our listeners probably feel that same way. Someone presents a definition that you disagree with, you combat the definition instead of find the logic within what they're saying. And it's so important to hear the other person's side and go, I can see how that is something that is happening within the world. I can see that being exhibited. That might not be my definition of racism, but I could definitely see it as a form of racism. Sure. Absolutely. And, and talking about with vulnerability, I think, I think being empathetic, there is, there is some vulnerability there and trying to understand what, okay, so what are you talking about? Like, that's not, you know, if, if, if we're not talking about the same thing, then I want to talk about the same thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, Gotta like, I want clarify to clarify your definitions. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 it's, it's really hard to do. I mean, and, and I don't know, man, I just, um, yeah, it's just, it's just tough. It's just tough to do. Well, I think if we can, if we can practice the uh, switching of two languages. So if you're a new listener, we talk about a lot on this podcast, collective mindset and individual mindset. And those two different ideologies use words differently. And so when uh, a person who thinks individually is talking about racism, they are only speaking of one individual interacting with another individual. And so they're going to say racism can exist no matter what the races are. So a black person can be racist to a white person and a white person can be racist to a Mexican, yada, 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 because those individuals can have prejudice on each other for race. But a collective person is going to be saying, no, racism is bigger than that. It's more of a power um, control dominance situation where there are bigger people at play that have more power in racism. And then those uh, examples of racism are the ones I'm trying to refer to. So I really think it's a big misunderstanding from which side of the ideology you're speaking from. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And and I guess... I, so yeah, so this conversation is vulnerable for me because I've told you a lot of things that I don't like, you know, <laughs> just <laughs> attitudes and, and maybe, uh, ignorant thoughts I ha- I've had over the years, uh, misinformation that is embarrassing to me in some, in some way, but I'm okay with it. Like I'm, I'm okay with being vulnerable because this, this integration is worth it. The, what's happening between you and I and, and all over the country as people are starting to talk to each other is worth the price of whatever comes up with that vulnerability. So I would, so just to the people that are, are listening, first of all, thank you. My goodness. Um, <laughs> the outpouring of support has been incredible and very, very glad that you're here with us. Uh, I would say too, and specifically to white people, like it's time for you to be vulnerable. It's time for you to look at yourself with the critical eye and, and, uh, find those places where racism shows up and it, and, and it's not, um, I'm not trying to say that I'm not trying to get you to feel bad or guilty or, um, or anything like that. Actually, if you support us, you can hear our conversation about that, Uh, but (laughs) Chris and I go into that a little bit and he, he really helped me with that. Um, uh, but what I'm trying to say is because if, if you have things in your life where, where you hear like, you know, you might hear a clip from white fragility or you might hear a clip from 
Abraham Kendi or, or just whoever, whatever author or speaker or somebody, and you hear a little thing, maybe you hear it on Fox News, it doesn't matter where it comes from, but you hear something that catches and you're like, oh man, I do that. That is exactly the right place you need to be. It is okay to be vulnerable in that way and say, I do that. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that you're um, morally corrupt. It doesn't mean that you're, I guess, racist with a big R, right? Like, yeah, um, nah. it, it just means that we are in a, a systemic or a racist system and yeah. we've all been, yeah. And, 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 you know, you and I have talked about this, Chris, about like, we're all, for lack of a better word, victims or, well, how about a better word? We're all students of this, but like, we've yes. all learned, we've all exactly. learned. And so I, I would but, hope, go ahead, go ahead. Well, so, I'm curious. No, no, I'm curious, Richie, like, cause you, what you said earlier was you're embarrassed on some of the things that you learned as a student of this. And so I, I just, could you tell me like, what are some of the things that you look back on what you learned and you're like, Oh, that, that wasn't it. I, I'm just curious. Oh yeah. Well, one of them, I mean, I, I asked a teacher, I, I was in 11th grade uh, or no 12th grade. I was in, I was a senior in high school. And I had one of my most beloved teachers. I had read something that said that there was no, there was hardly any biological difference between black and white people. And this was in 96. Uh, and she said, no, Richie, no, we are absolutely separate races. Wow. And I was like, oh, okay. My beloved educator, she must be right. Yeah. Because, you know, because she treats me well, because. I mean, I loved her. I still do. She's probably gone now, but you know, she was like, I don't know, 90 when, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, incredibly supportive and loving woman. Uh, but I look back on her class and it's, it was full of white faces. Hmm. I look back on the things that she did that were parts of, it was a, I don't want to say what class it was just because people look it up, whatever. But, uh, it was very, that that's just one. And that to me is embarrassing because, it shows that I, I just trusted one source. Oh, ooh, yeah, that's a good point. We, we do, we do lean on that one source we got because of that connection we had with the source and we don't look around for other, uh, opposing ideas. And that one source looked like me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you hear, I hear it in your voice. I mean, yeah, that sigh, that, I mean, that laugh that, yeah. And, and that's another one is, um, all I ever learned about race, um, was from people that look like me, man, that's so true. Ah, and, and I, and I feel like now I, I didn't grow up, um, white, but I also feel like when you get the confirmation of whatever the culture is, if it is coming from someone that looks like you, it, it does solidify what you're getting. Like, um, ev- everywhere on television, all those, um, if we go back to the nineties, cause we're, we have a pretty diverse media, uh, nowadays, but you know, going back to the nineties when we we're being raised to me, the only time someone looked like me on television was when it was on the news and it was for something that wasn't good. And every mm-hmm. other case wasn't that way. And so I got that same kind of reinforcing of, Hey, yo, this is what we do. <laughs> you know, and like that person that not saying nothing, they just look like me. And so I became a student of, yo, that person looks like me. Dang. So we just, we just criminals out here. Wow. That's crazy. Okay. I guess that's just it. You know, like it's, you are impacted by information from people that look just like you. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, I'm really, I don't know, man, I've been sold on the fact that we we need integration. 
in all in everything daily life where we spend our money conversations every part of our life um uh and and, and it that to me also and i, I mean that's got to be to you too i mean well gotta be <laughs> you tell me is it vulnerable to be is it vulnerable to be friends with white people well, you got to understand a lot of black people have so much experience with it that we don't even remember anymore. Um, so, so I, I don't, uh, I mean, there are some groups like, so I'll share a story. Um, my best friend went to school in Arkansas and when I went to visit him, because I wasn't close to those people, I had to be very vulnerable to be friends with them. I was very uncomfortable the whole time. And it was because their style, their culture was slightly different than the the white culture I was used to. So, you know, it, it is vulnerable to be around group, different groups of people in general. Um, so I, I'd say that it depends on what the little enclaves are. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I mean, and yeah, I mean, and that's, I, um, I think that, when we're talking about race and um, especially race, we have to, white people have to, to talk, talk to black people and not to necessarily get educated by them. I mean, Chris, you've been very, you've been very open and kind and very giving to me um, and to our listeners here to help with that. Um, At the same time, it feels like we are, we are, we are, we have entered the phase where we're now in it together in some way. Right. We might be learning different things or from different sources, but we are we are now in the same boat, <laughs> at least with this conversation. Yeah. And and hopefully with America, hopefully we yeah. start saying we are in the same boat together. But it does take that that vulnerability. And so to the group of people that I said I visited in Arkansas and I was uncomfortable I had several things going into that uncomfortability, right? First, I have a preconceived perception of Arkansas. And I'm from Texas, but to me, Arkansas is more country, therefore more racist. Whatever um, wrong information I had of Arkansas was playing a part in it. Um, two, I I used that to also be fearful of, man, what could happen out here in these backwoods of Arkansas, right? So that fear starts getting um, into your head and you start thinking about what could these people mean from when they're joking. Like some people made some jokes that I felt were uncomfortable and I don't have a relationship with them, but my brain started to just uh, assume that they were all racist, right? And and that is a, a same reaction to being fearful to re- meeting new people. It's a human thing. You actually don't need to be ashamed of it, but you do need to confront it. And that's the most important thing is to confront that feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's it's hard because, you know, fear is such is so pervasive in so many um, just so many situations. Right. And 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 it's a, it's a you know, for for a white person to call the police is not a fearful situation. What do you mean by that? Uh, How's it well, not? Like, well, so like, I think most white people trust that the police are doing their job and they're there to protect, protect me if I call them. Okay. Um, and, I, and what I'm hearing from, uh, I mean, how is it for you to, how, uh, how would it be for you to call the police? Would you feel protected? And so, um, Calling the police is definitely the last case scenario. Like, I mean, mm. every other opportunity had to be exhausted and attempted and exhausted. Not just like, oh, I don't think that'll work. No, I had to have tried it. It did not work. Damn, I got to call the police. Like, so mm. it's 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 definitely not a, a first thought. And um, 
And I think that's a cultural one, maybe in the experiences, maybe it's something that's not true, you know, and I do need to clarify, I didn't grow up in a um, troublesome neighborhood where the the violence outside meant I needed the police or I might die. To, you know, it wasn't to that mm-hmm. level. And I think that that is an important distinction because there are some communities where the police is the first phone call, but that's because the level of violence in that neighborhood is necessary. And um, but. I'm going to take a leap and say that majority of our listeners aren't in those neighborhoods. And I I honestly believe when we look at statistics, neighborhoods that violent are in the minority in our country. And and so police calls are not always to those neighborhoods. And um, I I know in my neighborhood, the police have been called on me. So, you know, I, I live in a safe neighborhood. So. I just wanted to clarify that the neighborhoods are different. And, and so the re- the reactions are going to be different. But if you're not in a, a violent neighborhood and you're calling the police right away, you maybe think, was are there other options? Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, so and that's the thing, like, I think for for me, um, for a long time in my life, calling police was the first thing. You hear something crazy outside. You don't go look. You just call the police and say somebody's being crazy outside. Um, no, or you hear a gunshot, you know, I'm not gunshot. Well, I did. Yeah. I lived in neighborhoods where gunshots were a thing, but, um, so yeah, so it, but, but the safety level rises as they come closer. As the, you know as I mean? the police come closer, you feel as safer. Poli- I feel safer. The sirens is like, Oh, that's so funny. The sirens is okay. Cool. Everything's taken care of. Yeah. Wow. For, yeah. for us. And this is so funny. Me and my buddies were hanging out on a, on a, um, a roof on memorial day perfect day to be hanging out on the roof right <laughs> the the police cars drive by the sirens come and we all duck just out of instinct <laughs> just wow. all right well we don't know what's going on so we're just gonna hang out here and not be noticed um uh, so it's right. just so funny that it's a, it's a totally different sensation yeah yeah and 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 to be fair to the whole thing like to everybody's experience it's anecdotal right it's we only know the people that we know at the same time, I would say to the, our, our white listeners, um, you can't explain uh, how black people experience the police unless you talk to black people. So talk to black people about their experience. And I think that I think that you'll be surprised. I think that you'll be surprised because I, I mean, this it is the police becomes a, a cl- as they come closer. Uh, we get we feel safer. And in, in, in I'm hearing from you as they come closer, that safety level drops, even though they're coming to help with the situation. It still could be something not good. And um, it's it's two sides of the same thing or like, um, you know, it's that I'm trying to think of the word. I'm, my mind is going blank. I mean, it's the duality. It's the the, the polar yeah. opposites, the yin and the yang. It's it's literally the existence are opposites and it's unfortunate, but, but it is the reality for many, many people. And honestly, Richie, I know we had talked once before that you had told me a time that you had called the police just kind of naturally um, because of loud music. And, and so could you just share kind of that experience for you for us? Yeah. So, um, so we used to live in a, a house next to people that uh, would play they would drive up and play music where our windows would shake. And, um, you know, I let it go, but then it just kept happening. And like my children couldn't sleep and I didn't know how to confront that. Like I didn't know how to go out on their lawn and say, look, y'all have to like, 
something has to change because my children aren't sleeping. Uh, how can it be at three o'clock in the morning? You know, it, it was just, <laughs> you can hear it probably in my voice now. It's a sh- it's short circuit in my brain. How could you, what do you do? do this? <laughs> what do I do? And how could you think this was okay? Yeah. Uh, so, so immediately I, th- I thought, well, these people uh, are obviously crazy in some way. Like there's, there's some sort of a breakdown because, um, just because I don't know how you could do that. And then, um, and then, yeah, we did, we did call the police and they came out and they turned the music off and we did a couple of times and I did it with, I did it without understanding that I was putting those people in danger and I didn't want to put them in danger. I just wanted them to turn off their music. Yeah. Um, and I didn't feel equipped to, to deal with any of that. And there's other things too. They were yelling at each other and like screaming at each other and okay, yeah. getting, on, getting on my lawn. Like it was, it felt like it was escalated, but again, something that could be handled by somebody that was trained to do it, that didn't have a gun on their hip. Um, so yeah, that's my, <laughs> again, it's embarrassing. Like it, to me, it's embarrassing to, to tell that story, but some people would say like, what are you talking about? That's totally normal. You should have called the cops and why oh, it's I embarrassing. Bet. Yeah. And why it's embarrassing is I didn't, uh, I didn't, I was so blind to the fact that they, that that would potentially be putting them in danger. Um, so I, I, and I can hear, so in my mind, it's like, well, but if, if they were loud, if they were yelling, you know, those are plenty reasons to call the police. And what's funny is I already know in my culture, being loud and yelling doesn't mean anything's wrong. (laughs) Doesn't mean yeah. that there's no alarms yeah. being sound. Like it, it, it's literally could just simply be a conversation, and and it gets passionate. It does not mean it's a fight. Um, but I had to learn that that wasn't how everyone interacted or communicated. And I've gotten in trouble for being loud so many times. Um, I, I, I just am. And um, it's, it's just funny how when you'd have a lack of experience with something the only option or not the only option, the only uh, logical thing is, okay, I got to feel fear about this because it's something I don't know. I don't understand it. They're yelling. I don't want to go out there and something bad happened to me. I need to call the police. And yeah. um, that that's natural. That's, that is a natural process to go through. Yeah. I mean, all the black people I see on TV are so nice. <laughs> they have nice conversations. You know Terry what I mean? Terry Crews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, Terry Crews. Exactly. Exactly. And I know there's yeah. some controversy right now with him, but uh and that's that's you know, that's a that's a fallacy on my part. Um cuz I grew up a lot with um watching um all kinds of black shows, uh whether it be mm-hmm. the Cosby show or uh Martin or In Living Color or I mean Ooh, the Jeffersons I- going back. Yeah, all these, you know, you know, all these stuff um uh, good times. I mean, I, Sam, like I watched all that stuff and family matters. Uh, and yes. the consensus, the consensus was like, yeah, like I'm, I now know black culture. Like I'm, yes, this is integrated. I'm part, you know, I'm part of it. I'm, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I felt some connection screen. to it through the screen. Right. Cause mm-hmm. uh, you, you, you connect with people that you see on screen in some way, at least I do. I don't know. I might be crazy. Um, uh, yeah. But, but I'm, but clearly, but I clearly wasn't right. Exposure is not integration because <laughs> right. I didn't have, yes. uh, I didn't have, well, I just didn't have black people in my neighborhood, but I didn't have black friends. I didn't have, I had black teachers, but I didn't, I didn't have that daily interaction 
black-owned businesses or or uh, people in my church. You know what I mean? We were just, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't have that integration when I thought I was. I was like, no, I know, I understand black cult. Like, yeah, it's every, like they're great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's funny. You're not alone. Like, um, I growing up in a in a diverse neighborhood like Richardson, Texas. You know, I, you know, feel like I 100% am comfortable in all black settings. And then I find myself in somewhere I'm like, "Woo. Man, I wasn't ready for this. I wasn't prepared uh mentally um and I didn't feel like I was integrated enough and the ideas of fear jump out. You know, I'm a black man in black spaces and fear pops in my head for no mm-hmm. reason cuz the situation is completely fine. And uh this yeah. reminds me and I've shared this story before, but uh, my, I was with my cousin and me and my cousin were both in the music industry or entertainment industry. And we were at a um, a club because there was a celebrity um, that he was working with there. Uh, one, one of the actors from the show Empire. And so we were there with her and the crew and everyone there. And so after the show, this guy comes out and steps to him and is very aggressive and is yelling at my cousin. And I don't know who this guy is. And we're already in a very very hip-hop urban feeling city and town in in houston texas and so i'm like i'm out of my comfort zone i'm from richardson and Mm. and so the thoughts go through my head oh man here we go this kid this dude who's yelling is gonna pull out a gun something bad is gonna happen all the stereotypes flood and rush into my head so if those things rush into your head too that's human it doesn't make you a bad person but what i had to understand next was Everything was fine. My cousin literally said, hey, man, like, you need a cigarette? We can chill. Like, nothing's a big deal. And we all just started talking after that. And so we, we, we jumped to these conclusions just because we are in a place we haven't been before. And that's normal. But if you call the police just because you're there, you're, you might be doing that a little too, um, too flippantly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that that's just something that we need to, that white people need to to add to their repertoire is, is, is this something the cops need to be called about? Um, you know, not being in my, you know, seeing, seeing somebody I don't recognize in my apartment gym is not a reason to call the cops. You know what I'm saying? Somebody asking you to not, not, not leave your, leash your dog is not a reason to call the cops. We know this It's kind of, you know, kind of laughing at it, but it's I'm, before I mean, I'm 2020. You, <laughs> I'm telling you, <laughs> White people are, and I'll, I, and I will paint with the broadest, bro, uh, broadest brush. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, cops equal safety. Cops equal safety. And so to hear like all these other messages about the experiences with the police and what needs to be done with the police, I mean, um, it's, it is, it, it, it that creates fear because what are we going to do if we don't have someone to protect us from yeah. whatever? Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, it's definitely all, I think a lot of these messages are not rational. They're fear-based messages that we're hearing, like, um, in response to the experience of being black. So black people are speaking out now. Well, they have been speaking out. I'm sorry. People are listening. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. People are listening now, um, or starting to listen or wherever, wherever we at. They're, they're, they're a place where we're listening, uh, and um, some people's response to that is to explain those experiences away. Yeah. To say, no, it's not like that because cops aren't bad. It's not like that because you have to judge people 
by, you know, individually, it has to be individual. You can't take it as a whole. You can't look at the data as, you know, trending or uh, you can't look at trending analysis for racial, racial stuff. It has to be treated one-on-one or prisons or whatever. (laughs) And, and, and that has happened because black culture was forced to be anti-American culture. And when I say anti, I don't mean like against it. I mean, it was forced to be opposite because it was held out for so long. And so when you talk about the black experience, it is literally anti most American experience, which shocker, most Americans are white by the population numbers. And so when we when we share a black experience, it's like, no, that's not how it works. Like, that's literally the feedback that a lot of black people get is because it is so anti what your experience has been that there's no way it's possible. And and that's what people have to understand is, yes, this this is a real experience. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a, I got a couple of things on that, Chris. I mean, I think black experience is American experience. Um, and I, I I mean, that's just, I, I, my two cents on it. Um, black history, black history is American history. Like we, it is, um, we, we have been in this together and, um, it, it should be American history. It's just, we have not integrated enough to where our books represent it as such. So I, I a hundred percent agree with you. It's just not there yet, unfortunately. And we can make it, we just haven't yet. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not trying to correct you, man. I'm not at all. I just, I, I think that it's, uh, um, it's important for white people to understand that, that, um, black experience is human experience. White people need to hear that, that black experience is human experience because for so long that we've been taught that the default is white, the default looks like me. And, and that's just not true. You know, our, our brothers and sisters are telling us, and I don't, uh, I, I love that word because it means that we're related. Yeah. And also, you know, I love brothers and sisters at the same time. I'm not trying to, <laughs> I don't but know. you got to understand the reason the black community does that is because we speak collectively. So we are yeah. all family. So, so it's yeah. a, it's, it sounds like you're trying to sound black, but it's not, you're, a, you speak collectively. You understand we are all brothers and sisters. Absolutely. And, and that's why I say like, it's, it's it's our history. It's shared history because when, and, and we have a, uh, white people have a role to play in that. And, and you have, we have to confront the fear that these messages bring up. I, I know that baggy shorts are a trigger for some people to be like, Oh, what's up with that? Why are, why are there shorts baggy? And it's usually older generations, but you know, mm-hmm. like we all have these things. Right. And, and I'm curious, I'm curious um, what pops up, I guess we're dealing with white people with fear. Man, okay, so I'm gonna be honest here. So I have <laughs> always, man, this is, and 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 what's funny is we've had this conversation before about is it classism or racism, and and it's been it's been so tightly linked that it's really hard to tell. But on on average, um, blackness has been um, perceived as po- impoverished, right? So so that yeah. is an experience for black people. But on the flip side for me, the people I trust the least are people that dress preppy, <laughs> which is oh, so, wow. so funny to me because in my mind, I assess that their relationship with authority gives them um, way more chances of, of using that authority against me. So if, I, if I'm around someone that's truly racist, but it's like overtly racist, 
I, I typically picture that as like, you know, um, uh, a poor redneck kind of guy, right? I, that's what I've experienced in Texas. And they're, they're really just trying to, you know, mess with me at, at most. That's how I've ever seen it. But, um, you know, so I just, for some reason, when I see someone in preppy, I, I get a little standoffish and nervous. Fear starts coming in. It's like, I don't, I don't know what kind of strings this person could pull, but if I need a lawyer, I won't win. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. 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 yeah if this guy hits me with his car, he's going to walk away scot-free and I'm going to be <laughs> exactly medical bills. Yeah. I might get sued. And that's yeah, the same but- feeling that we have with the police right now, especially is because now if you you have police members in your family or you care real deeply about the police, I totally get that and I understand that. But we have to look objectively at some of the situations that have happened in the media and where police officers have not been held accountable. That that increases fear that I won't have the potential of justice because I don't have the law on my side. And a perfect mm-hmm. case of this is Philando Castile again shot and killed for for saying he was a second amendment citizen like he just said he had a gun on him or in the car because that's legal and he was shot instantly out of fear and so the fact that that cop got off scot-free that scares me i actually don't own a gun for my own safety which is funny because most white people i know own a gun for their safety so it's literally an, uh, an opposite um, reality. That's a great segue into Kanye because um, you're talking about how white and black people see the police, how white and black people see clothes. Like you talking about preppy people being dangerous for white people. Somebody in a polo shirt tucked in their khaki pants is the least dangerous person in their life. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know? But if somebody had, you know, Air Jordans on and a and some basketball shorts, you got to watch out. That's crazy, yeah. So, so we're we're looking at the same thing and seeing different things, feeling different things. We might be seeing the same thing, but feeling and experiencing it, the consequences of it might be different for each of us. Hundred percent, and it's just two different worlds, and we have to learn how to speak both languages. And Kanye is trying to. Kanye is really unique right now because. If you if you if you're in the black community, Kanye has definitely lost his mind because he's no longer speaking our language and we don't know what's wrong with him. And if you're not in that community, you might actually go, well, sometimes he says weird stuff, but some of the stuff he says makes sense. You know, and uh, I think unfortunately, Kanye has a diagnosis of being bipolar. And I think that is being used against him to say that he is crazy when in reality, I truly believe. He is a black man speaking a white language, and that is wow, twisting people man. up. Wow, that's really interesting, man. That's really interesting. Uh, wow. <laughs> You're blowing my mind right now a little bit. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, it's 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 the idea of and and I and I talk about this a little bit with my friends as the black cowboy, the, the like the black Western cowboy is the most unique and interesting thing on the planet because it's so rare. It's so rare to see a black man completely indoctrinated in American society, like to its core. And, and that's a black cowboy. And so that, that person stands out for the reasons of it's almost impossible to, to have that situation happen. A black person adopt those, those cultural norms like that because they're so starkly different from each other. And I think, 
you know, Kanye is a uh, an example of that because he is a Afrocentric person speaking, you know, a Western ideology. I mean, is he losing blackness? Is he losing? Oh, that? my God. His blackness has been revoked multiple times. I can't tell you. Um, so what was it? Three years. Well, first, he put on the MAGA hat, lost so many black people and his blackness instantly. Um, he also said slavery is a choice. Lost so many, so much black card. Like losing your black card is a real sin in the black community. And Kanye is losing that thing day by day by day. And he's trying to help black people speak individualism, but he doesn't know how to do it effectively. And people just call him crazy. And 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 trust me, I, I'm saying this open and honestly. I used to bash this man for the things he said until I had the discovery of individualism. And and because I did not know it existed, it took me so much work to dig it up because no one's out there teaching it directly to you unless you're maybe raised in the, the maybe a white family or something like that. I don't I don't know how you learn it. I don't know how anyone learns it. I had to dig. <laughs> it was so hard to find. So it's just so interesting. He said a lot of things. And if he's speaking if he's speaking white language, I mean, I, I understood. <laughs> I understood what he was trying to do. And, I, and you know, and to. To call somebody crazy that was sharing their experience, um, uh, you know, he emotionally broke down and we talked about his daughter and, and that was his view was that he had almost murdered her. Yeah. Um, you know, and that, you know, going back to fear and vulnerability, what a brave person to be able to to share that on a on a national, probably global scale. He's a global superstar. Yeah. To be able to share that that piece of darkness with some with all these people. And and I'm sure he was afraid to talk about that because, I mean, look at the cons- look at the consequences of the things that he's talking about. Can we can we play the clip for people that um, I'm, I have it pulled up just so um, we can add a little bit and people can hear just in case yeah, they don't know what we're talking about? Yeah, sure. Let's let's do that. <laughs> He's breaking down. Hold on. So that's Kanye crying that he almost killed his daughter. Yeah. And people made fun of him. Yeah, they did. You know, and, um, I was surprised at first and I kind of chuckled at like the, 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 the like high, how high his voice got. Cause I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. And then I, then I actually heard what he said and I was like, Oh my God. Cause what, cause what people do when they call, you know, we know like we easily call that person crazy. Well, if you listen to the hour that he talked, he was polite. He was cordial. Oh my he was God. letting people speak and he was giving, giving other people a voice and he was addressing issues that people had with what he was saying, because he's like, I don't want, I, 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 I want to, I'd rather give people money. I don't care how much money it is. $50,000, a million dollars. Would you not have an abortion if I gave you a million dollars right now? Yeah. 
it's heavy too. Like uh, anyone that has done it, typically it struggles with it for a long time afterwards, and um, it's 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 not something that a lot of people really like talking about, to be honest. And so Kanye up there crying about it. Now let's be honest; it is a Republican mind. It's a it's a Republican talking piece to or a political point to get rid of abortions, and and Kanye is somewhat on that side but like you said he's not gonna take that choice away from you so he's also pro-choice but he's he's definitely saying this is his experience and it's painful for him and so what's so funny is Kanye West is a conservative in many ways and he's trying to to talk about that but the only conversation being had is he is crazy yeah he is crazy because he celebrated his he celebrated a critic in the crowd a woman came out and spoke and said, you know, I had an abortion. I was making $9 an hour. I could, there was no way I could support a child. And he got up and he said, he's like, let's give her a hand. Thank you. That was, that was very brave to like come out and talk about that. Like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So he celebrates his critics and then comes back around. And, and, and my issue with the specifically the Republican party's version of abortion law is um, uh, if you say that you're pro-life, why are we not taking care of the babies that are being born? Yeah. Yeah. That's a fact. And he was offering, albeit like, you know, a solution, you know, it might be untenable at the same time there had his deck. And it it was a great, to me, it it really merged the two ideas of, of, of individualism and collectivism or individualism and collective good. Like he was seeking the collective good. Um, Knowing that knowing that women um, that are single mothers, or even even people that have two parent, it's hard having kids. It's yeah. not easy. I, I made when I had my first child, I was making seven dollars an hour, and my wife worked at home, so there was not just me; it was two other people. It's hard. It's not easy to do, and um, there was you know, and, and that's kind of kind of what I what I saw was like trying to. F- trying to figure it out not just standing on like well we don't we're just pro-life and that's it exactly. okay well then let's listen to this other woman's experience how do we okay how do we address that you know yeah it, it's it's no so anyone that has said kanye is crazy did not watch the rally there's because there's no way you can perceive this man to be crazy if you watched how amazing he handled this rally and it was tons of people and he's like hey we don't need to be talking over each other don't don't cheer yet because black people we cheer we cheer like we'll start getting rowdy right away and he's like hey 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 we can't have that right now i I want everyone to be able to be heard and it's just you there's no way that's an insane uh um unholstered manic bipolar person you know but yet that's what everyone is calling this man and i really think like you said it's because he's merging these two different ideas together in one to everyone else, it's crazy because if you speak one language, you're you'll misunderstand one thing he said. If you speak the other language, you'll misunderstand the next thing he says. And right. so you have to be able to speak both to understand what he's saying. Bilingual and integrated, man. We gotta speak. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we gotta listen to each other and 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 learn to speak and listen and uh, understand each other's languages. And and I want to I want to jump on because I I said one of Kanye's statements not too long ago. I said. Slavery is a choice. That's what Kanye West said. And the genius in this statement, it sounds so offensive to anyone who is black. I, and because it offended me the first time I heard it, I, I didn't sure. fully understand what he was saying. But 
I have now understood what individualism is. And it is the embodiment and the beautifulness of a person being able to choose and make the choices in their own life and make their own decisions. And if we look back at the enslaved people, because enslaved and slave are two different things. And if we look at someone that is enslaved, meaning they are an individual, they have their own choices, they are free under God's eyes, and they have the ability to make their own choices. Those individuals, those enslaved people, there were many of them that did not choose to remain enslaved and fought and died. And we need to celebrate those choices. There are many people that escaped to the north. We need to celebrate those choices. There are many people that stayed enslaved to protect their loved ones. We got to celebrate those choices. There are some that stayed a slave to just stay alive for themselves. And we got to understand that that's an important choice, too. And so what unfortunately we do in history when we teach it, and unfortunately I taught it because I didn't know what individualism was when I was a teacher. And when I was in school, I learned it this way. Black people were slaves because they were black and that's it. And they are forced into it. They couldn't do anything about it when that's not true. They're all individuals with choices to make. And so that's what Kanye means when he says slavery is a choice. There were people choosing against it, people choosing for it. And and that's true. We all have choices in our life. Uh, well, and can you maybe speak to this, too? Because I think I, I think I let me know if I'm right on this. But when he spoke out, you know, like that Harriet Tubman didn't uh, just moved essentially moved black people to work from one white person to the other, or, you know, that, that slavery is a choice mm-hmm. is that level of offense or that disrespect to the, it, it seems to me disrespectful to the pain of being enslaved. And is, is that, and, is that? Yeah. Or? Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and so this is the, this is the unique thing about it is the pain that we feel is because like we talked about, with James Baldwin and most black Americans feel connected to slavery. Yeah. And I'm starting to understand that that is unfortunate because, because the American idea is that despite who your parents were, you could go and be anything. And, and that ideology is kind of not existent in the black community because we are all tethered to slavery. And so we carry it in some kind of means. And and so the second someone offends, talks about slavery, it is very offensive. I, I, I take so much offense to it, especially before I understood individualism. And, and I can tell you three things that would instantly make me mad. You criticize Harriet Tubman for freeing slaves. That's going to make me mad. I'm not going to be able to hear you anymore. And right. unfortunately, Kanye doesn't understand that he loses people when he says these things. But um a friend of mine told me that slavery was not that important to our country. That hurt me so much. Oh my and and he was he was speaking about economics. And and when I when you look at the books, I understand what he's saying. But I could not and I had to force myself to understand. Again, that's being vulnerable like we said. Um I had to get to what he was saying and I understand 100% economically slavery was not very good for America. So when he said it's not important, that's what he was trying to say. But it hurt me to my core. And and so Kanye does these same things but because he's trying to rip you. He's trying to rip us, a black American. He's trying to rip us from the tethering to slavery. And 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 his goal with the Harriet Tubman line was the, the true individual owns their own stuff, makes their own decisions. 
And and we aren't in that position in this country at, I mean, many levels. Kanye even shared in the rally, if you listen to it, he said he was going to sign with Nike, but Nike was going to keep making his uh, products overseas. And he was going to just accept that until he talked to Donald Trump and other people with this individualistic mindset. And he and he went back and said, no, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm going to be in control. And he partnered with Adidas and said, you have to manufacture this stuff in America. And he took the control back. And and that's yeah. kind of what he's trying to allude to is you are you are in power. You are individual. You are empowered under God. You can make your own choices. You know, and Harriet Tubman, she didn't. She didn't free these people to go and be their own individual selves as far as owning anything. He was saying they ended up going and being free to work for someone else, which, again, is a horrible analogy. Let's I'm not trying to give him credit for the analogy. Yeah. I'm just saying I know what he uh, intended about individualism and, and, and ownership. I can I can sort of hear the rebuttals of like, yeah, but we're if we if we talk in that way, then we're ignore somehow ignoring the systemic racism. We're not addressing the problem. Hundred percent. And and that's the funny part about it is when you talk to true, true, true deep conservatives, they they will say it's not a problem. And so yeah, you're supposed to ignore it. And mm. the hard part is, I have so much connection to it that if you ignore it, I'm offended. For one, and secondly. If you don't admit what got us to this point, I can't even truly assess this moment. And so what individualism doesn't do well is assess yesterday. Um, it, it says I have to be better tomorrow. And, yeah. and collectivism looks at all of it. And so that's really this disconnect. And um, I there's this one guy, his name's Coleman Hughes. He's a young black conservative, very bright dude. And I used to listen to him and I would just get so frustrated with his words because he would just... He would just um, speak about how racism isn't important and it's not important. And I've um, sadly devoted my life to talking about it. So you you could see how that's going to offend offend me, right? My livelihood. Um, But then I started listening to him closer once I understood individualism. And he he would say, and he said this beautifully, the the we talked about the the color book, the the color rules or something like that. I forgot the name of the, the book, but um basically that the government subsidized housing for many, many Americans who were white at the time and gave them housing, which sets up generational wealth. And they didn't do that for black people. Yes, that's the truth. And that's why we're here today. But you can't go back and change that. So like you just have to move forward and press forward without it. And and so his argument is that the focus on racism keeps you tethered to the past and you're not looking to tomorrow as much as you should, because in America, individualism says tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. And so you but you what he did well was he brought up the past. He 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 laid it out to it is affecting people today. And I think a lot of conservatives brush off the past instead of give credence to it and understand that it's so real. It impacted so many people. And yes, white people got a handout from the government. You, It's literally on the books, right? The FDA loans, like, and so, uh, or FDA loans. So, so this is real and it's not offensive to you. It shouldn't be a, a knock on your pride. And I think I hear that, right? Like it, it's offensive to the, the idea of getting a handout, I think in individualism, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I hear but, me frustrated, but go ahead. Sorry, I talked a lot. 
No, no, that's fine, man. And I, I think that that's coming back to this same concept, right? Because uh, because James Baldwin said history is now. History is happening. We are, you know, and, and, and not being able to look at what's happening now uh, instead of, you know, you know, you're talking about sort of the conservative mindset is just to look to the future uh, and maybe the progressive or more collective mindset is to look to the past as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we I think we need both. We need both. And we need to do it in a way that doesn't shut people down. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. How to, I don't know how to do that. I'm sure people have shut this off and already you know, been like, um, whatever, you know, I, to me or to same things that I've I know that people have either hid my feet or unfriended me. Okay. I, I, I don't, I don't want that. I want us to, to remain friends and I want us to, exactly. remain, to keep talking. And so finding ways to, to talk about, to talk about these things. Cause I don't, I'm not a hundred percent on board with the individualism thing. Um, just because I don't, it's, it's, I see the, I see the danger in it. Yeah. I see that I, I see that we're in our situation today because we have not been, we have not looked to the common good, or all of the all of all of the common good, right? That um, it, it, it's it's only been it's, it's been sectional. So yeah. yeah, there's lots of freedoms and stuff, and there's lots of opportunities in the country, um, and at the same time, um, there there have been people that have been excluded. Yeah, and and I love that how you laid that out because the now is in the middle of that yin and yang that we talked about earlier. You know, yeah. it's, it's the future and the the past existing all at once right now. And mm-hmm. if we don't balance the two, we do have a problem. And that's the beauty of America is it is this, the goal, this experiment is to have this melting pot and to have the the Western culture and the Afrocentric culture mel- meld together, so we're all operating in the now with the respect of the past and the look to the future, and that hopefully is the goal of these Im- imperfect allies too. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. Well, thanks, Chris. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, and we'll just keep talking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's all we can do, and uh, hopefully everyone else keeps opening conversations and and having more people to talk to. Absolutely. And just want to say thank you to all of our listeners and all of our supporters again. Uh, y'all have been fantastic. Um, just the outpouring of love and support has been overwhelming. And uh, we just thank you from the bottom of our hearts for sure. black cards, black cards, all black everything. And I 